February, and we are offered another lovely feast day in the rhythm of the Christian liturgical year. Today we mark the feast of the presentation of Jesus, also called the feast of the purification of Mary, also called Candle Mass. And had we actually celebrated this on Friday, February 2nd, I could have wished you Happy Groundhog Day, Feast of St. Bridget, Farrah Fawcett's birthday, February Sue, a lot going on that day. So this is the day that we're called upon to remember Mary and Joseph's visit to the temple to present their child, Jesus, on the 40th day following his birth, as the Jewish law required, and for Mary to undergo the postpartum rites of cleansing. Four adults that we know of are part of the scene, and they are all eager, it sounds, to see this child launched into the world with great ceremony and great love. And we learn that they are Simeon, a man who is righteous and devout, who is, as the scripture says, awaiting the consolation of Israel for the redemption of the Jewish people and upon whom the Holy Spirit rests. And Anna, as our deacon proclaimed, a resident prophet and the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe Asher, a woman it shouldn't be missed, who never leaves the temple. Can you imagine for the rest of the day, folks? Right here. She never leaves the temple. She worships night and day. And then there is Mary and Joseph. So years ago, Simeon had been told he would not die until he had seen the Messiah with his own two eyes. And time is running out. He's old. And the time comes, finally. And the old man's poignant and profound words are uttered. These words are codified in the Nunc Dimittis, the song of Simeon. It's been sung and said daily for over 2,000 years in Christian communities. And I know it best as we find it in our Book of Common Prayer. Lord, you now have set your servant free to go in peace as you have promised. For these eyes of mine have seen the Savior, whom you have prepared for all the world to see, a light to enlighten the nations and the glory of your people Israel. They are the words traditionally that are pronounced upon a priest at the end of his or her life as entering the casket or the hearse or as the earth and the ashes are returned to the ground. As an aside, this light to enlighten is where the tradition comes into being of candle mass, of candle mass of blessing the new candles at a mass for the new year. If you're new to the church, you'll find we have names 
for most things, and they're actually really simple. Christmas, Christ Mass, the Mass of Christ, even song, it is evening, so we sing. Don't dwell on it. If you're new, you'll get it. <laughs> so if you are wondering, though, about the appropriateness of still having your Christmas lights burning, the gig is up. If the reason there are six more weeks of winter on the East Coast is because the groundhog saw his shadow from your Christmas lights, it's not good. They already don't like our sunlight. So we celebrate with the Holy Family this moment among many moments of holy obligation, of accountability to a following. And aren't we in the midst scripturally of great accountability that precedes an act of following? We start this whole season with the Annunciation. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And then we move on to the kings that we heard so lovely this morning. They visit the babe And having been warned in the dream not to return to Herod, they left their own country by another road. And then we hear of the flight from Herod when Jesus got up and took the child and his mother by night and went to Egypt. A lot of accountability and a lot of following. So the story that we hear today, it's the story of a baby's first religious ritual. And it may prompt the memories of many adults, many of us here whose own parents, own grandparents, own adult caregivers, involved them at a very, very early age in practices of their faith. And I can't help but think of our own accountability to God, especially with our children and our youth. I can't help but think, actually, about the sacrament of holy baptism. Parents and godparents and other adults saving scrapbooks, maybe a special robe, a candle, a guest book, pictures from the brunch, all reminders which bear meaning for adults about the accountability that they have for the infants and the children of the church on whose behalf they speak. And while Luke's text focuses on Jesus throughout, it also records the responses of the adults who are around him. And honestly, I feel like this text poses a critical set of questions for adults who have anything to do with children, whether they are parents or not. For Jesus was not only the Son of God. Jesus was given to us, a newborn infant, to be the responsibility of all of us. What expectations do we have for our children as they grow toward being adult Christian disciples? 
What are our hopes for them? What are their own hopes for themselves? How do we utilize the resources of our faith community to support them? What guidance can we offer them so that their hopes and expectations can flourish? And what responsibilities do all adults have for all children, regardless of our relationship to them? Here at Trinity Cathedral, we are so very blessed with really, really wonderful children and youth. And our population of families who are raising children is growing. And what a joy it is to see so many faithful folk who are deeply devoted to helping us live our baptismal promise out fully. The promise that we make to every single person who is baptized. And if you don't recall, we just did it back in January. We had some lovely baptisms. Our liturgy asks us an important question. Will you who witness these vows do all in your power to support these persons in their life in Christ. And we make a promise both to God and to the person being baptized when we answer, we will. And when it is a child being baptized, when we answer, we will, this promise carries a weighty responsibility. And just as it takes a village to raise a child, it takes an entire faith community to raise a child to a life of faith in Jesus Christ. Our baptismal covenant calls us to that. In fact, if you have doubts about your responsibility, the church has a children's charter, and it is based on Scripture of how we are to care for children, what our ministry is to children, what our ministry is by children. This is what the church is called to do, to love and protect children in the church and in the world, especially children who are in danger, to support families so that their children know their own special gifts as children of God, to welcome all children who come to us, including those who come alone, to stand up for children's rights in our churches, in our communities, and in the world. Today, after our 10 o'clock Mass, we're going to have a focus group on children, youth, and family ministries. It's not a brainstorming. There'll be no answers to the questions. It's an opportunity for all of us to speak to our passions about being disciples of Jesus Christ. We've taken a vow in our baptismal covenant to be responsible and accountable to our community. And we take it very seriously And as we're working toward revisioning what it means to be disciples who make disciples, who make disciples, 
I'm inviting each of you, those of you who have children, those of you without children, those who are raising grandchildren, possibly nieces and nephews, those who mentor children and youth, educators, communicators, prayer warriors, whatever your gift is, I'm inviting you to join us this morning or at least join us in prayer and in your support because we all have a role to play in raising young disciples. Luke's words, specifically as the passage ends, speak to the manner in which this moment, this presentation in Jesus' worship community through the faithful hopes of his parents and other adults around him, that's what prompts the gospeler to write, the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. We celebrate our religious tradition on this day because Mary and Joseph were accountable. They did what they were supposed to do. And I really think it needs to be said that Mary didn't give birth to the son of the living God and say, I think I need to go to Disneyland. She didn't say, I think I deserve a break. She didn't say, I think I might be so special as the chosen one that I really don't need to make that trip to the temple. It wasn't in the nature of Mary and Joseph to think themselves somehow special. And I feel like even if they did, they were the kind that would have thought that their specialness just made them that much more accountable. We are so richly blessed with the gifts God has given us here at Trinity. And each of us is richly blessed that we have been given individual gifts for ministry. Mary and Joseph and Simeon and Anna, having all been accountable to who they were, did what they were called to do. And they literally held Jesus in their arms. Well, so do we. We too hold Jesus when we reach our hands out to each other in this community. How are we accounting for God's call upon us? And how are we preparing our children to grow and to become strong and to be filled with wisdom with the favor of God upon them?